Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we are here to break down all the Week 16 Sunday afternoon action. As always, I'm joined by none other than PFF's own Dwayne, The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, semifinals, championship Sunday for some. How is yours? Yeah, man. Um, well, you know how this stuff goes. It's probably, probably about, It'll probably end up 50-50 on one half of them, um, you know, and lose half of them. That's kind of how it goes sometimes. But no, hey, I'm just happy to be here talking about football. Uh, Cowboys clinched the division today, Ian, and they haven't even played yet. Haven't even played yet. Uh, before we get going, just want to say an apology to all listeners out there. You know, we've been doing the injury pod each and every Friday throughout the year. And believe me, I did do the injury pod this year. Unfortunately, I forgot to hit enter on my Slack message to send it to all the producers. And it didn't get up till about, uh, you know, 7 or 8 p.m. on Christmas on Saturday. So my apologies on that. I hope uh, those of you that did see it late, you know, enjoyed it. But, you know, again, I'm always trying to give you guys all the information you guys need before everything. So, uh, again, my bad and unfortunately it was episode 400 Dwayne that's the first time that's happened so uh, I'll try to you know get through these next uh, 400 episodes without accidentally that's forgetting good. to like if you don't fumble the ball in 400 carries Ian like that's pretty good like you're not you're, you're not you're not getting benched we'll put it that way I kind of was thinking that I was like how did I like Ian you freaking idiot how did I mess this up and I was like well worst case if this happens once every 400 episodes I, I, I think we'll be able to live but enough about that let's focus on the present which is Falcons taking down the Lions 20 to 16 Detroit covered as a seven and a half point dog under cash at 42 and a half. Uh, yeah, this game really wasn't all that pretty. We did see a Mon Ross St. Brown keep on keeping on despite not having Jared Goff under center, nine catches, 91 yards and a score for a Mon Also on the Detroit side of the ball, we had Jamal Williams really sees a uh, back control of the backfield, 19 carries for 77 yards. Of course, Craig Reynolds still had to be involved. And remember, this is just, you know, what's going on at the moment because DeAndre Swift does seem to be getting closer to returning returning from that shoulder injury. So really on the Lions side of the ball, it was only the Amon Ross St. Brown show. We did see Josh Reynolds get seven targets, but just 36 scoreless yards. So Dwayne, what did this backfield distribution look like? Because at this point, we know St. Brown, he is a target hog. He's a threat to see double digit yeah. targets every single week. And it's great. We, he showed that he can do it. Tim Boyle under center as well. So we have an upside wide receiver three for these last two weeks of the year. But what went on with Jamal Williams and Craig Reynolds? Because I know a lot of people were probably hoping Craig was going to keep on keeping on like he had the last two weeks. Yeah, 42% of the snaps to Williams, 40% to Reynolds. But it was 58% of the rushing attempts to Jamal Williams, 33% to Craig Reynolds. So it was really Jamal Williams leading the way on the early downs. And he was the main guy as far as, you know, carrying the workload, um, you know, as far as the rushing attempts. But it was Craig Reynolds really serving as the change of pace. And then he also got involved on the long down and distance, 58% of those snaps. They did split the short down and distance, but then you had Godwin Igwebuki at 60% of the two minute offense. So really a three headed kind of monster, mostly Williams and Reynolds. But, you know, anytime you're in a bad offense and you have a third guy, they're trying to squeeze in there. That's problematic. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, we'll eventually get Swift back. Well, we'll see. I have no reason. I, I have no clue why the Lions would bring Swift back. I don't know why it was point. close this week. <laughs> I know, I know, but it is the Lions. Um, so right now it's just a backfield to avoid, to be honest. Um, you know, it probably still will be like you're going to use Swift, but outside of that, like it, even with Swift back, like they could kind of keep this three-way rotation going to end the year. Like they don't have a real incentive to like just load up Swift. 
Look, a broke clock is right twice a day. We just saw Rex Burkhead go the hell off uh, this week. So I get it. You know, don't be cursing us, if, cursing us if Jamal Williams falls into the end zone twice next week. But yes, Dwayne, I agree with you. Generally, just stay away from this group. I mean, even if Swift comes back, man, I'm going to be hard-pressed to rank him inside the top 24. There's too much re-aggravation. And who's to say he's going to go get that same role, man? I would probably bet the under on even 50% snaps for Swift. Yeah, I think the under is probably fair at this point. I'm not as worried about reaggravation just because he's been out so long. Yeah. Like he's probably fine coming back from a health perspective. But yeah, I do worry they keep three guys involved. Um, again, I just don't see why would they want to load up the carries on DeAndre Swift. And why would the Falcons not give Cordero Patterson more than eight freaking touches? Like, they took the guy off a kick return. Okay, no, they put him back this week. I was about to freak out. I had my whole monologue ready to go about them taking him off kick returns. Of course, he came. I was about came. to mute myself and just watch the game for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, CPAT went out there, busted a 32-yard kick return. So you're off the hook a little bit, Atlanta. But not really, man. Only seven carries for CPAT. One of them did go for a touchdown. That's now 11 offensive touchdowns on the season for Cordero Patterson. Only 18 from 2013 to 2020 combined. So the career year continues. But Dwayne, I mean, hey, it was cool. We got Kyle Pitts. Great game. 102 yards on six catches. Had another nice sideline shot down the field showing he can separate deep. Russell Gage busted. Only four catches, 39 yards. And unfortunately, he lost a fumble. But man, like, I'm not worried about Gage. We kind of know who Pitts is at this point. It was one, it was one down game for Gage. But this backfield, man, and I'm looking ahead to their week 17 schedule now, but like this usage yeah they got the bills next week that's not ideal we know damon we know you can run the ball a little the bit bills are easier I, to run on though now um they have been actually for about the last six weeks they're giving up the third most rushing attempts yeah. per game in regulation so that's fine but are we can we even be confident that cordero patterson is getting a lion's share of the carries anymore and what continues to be a terrible falcons offense how bad was the utilization behind the scenes because again in terms of touches it was split right down the middle yeah, their snaps were right down the middle, and overall the touches were right down the middle. Um, you know, uh, it's just a it's a situation. This is the first time though that it's really been this close. Patterson has led the way, you know, in rushing attempts. Um, Patterson has led the way typically in the route department as well. He was slightly ahead there, but it was much more of a you know them very close to each other. Um, it was Corderell Patterson still seeing 100% of the short down and distance, which is really where the touchdown, you know, came in. Um, but at the same time, like typically, like over the last four or five weeks, we've really seen Patterson, you know, Davis has had a role, but Patterson has been clearly the lead back in one way or another. And this is the first week that we really haven't seen that. So, yeah, I think we're really back more to that true running back by committee. Patterson could still be, could still, you know, have a big game, you know, I mean, I think sure. he could still get to his touches, but I don't know. I, it could be something to do with the health, which you brought up last week, right? Is it still lingering effects of a high ankle sprain? Like he hasn't looked quite the same as over the last three to four games, like his explosive uh, run rate is way down from where it was early in the season. So I think there's just a lot of factors going on here with Patterson, but I think to your point, we probably have to downgrade him for now. He's some, he's in the RB two range somewhere just yeah. because we know he's, you know, we know he can score, you know, at any time, but we just can't think of him, you know, as he just can't be in the RB one conversation. Yeah, at a minimum, I mean, that RB2 range, RB13 to RB24, certainly going to be ranked far closer to 24 than, you know, flirting with that RB12-13 line like he was for most of the earlier parts of the season. Rams took down the Vikings 30-23. to Matthew Stafford. Okay, first of all, Rams covered minus three and the overcast of 48 and a half. 
my God, this was a horrendous game for Matthew Stafford. And we've talked about on this podcast how like he is like the king of going for 300 yards and three touchdowns and like not really impressing you other than a few throws uh, throughout the game. But this one was rough. Three interceptions, actually five turnover-worthy plays on the week. Jake Fromm gained, I think it was 28 passing yards on 17 attempts, and Matthew Stafford still graded out as a worse passer this week. That's how rough things were. And they weren't just interceptions. Like two of these came from within and inside his own 10-yard line. So it really sucks to see him dud like this against the Vikings secondary that we saw how they could be had. I mean, Cooper Cup was on his way to disappointing a lot of fantasy managers. And then 15 minutes later, kind of in the second half, you look up and the guy's got 10 catches for 109 yards. But man, Van Jefferson, he had 113 unrealized air yards in this one, only behind Donovan Peoples-Jones on the week. And Odo Beckham, he found the end zone fourth time this season. And for those counting, Baker Mayfield has three touchdown passes to wide receivers since the Browns released him. But man, with Beckham, eight times targets and at least two of those man were those deep crossers they love to run off play action and you know Stafford just couldn't put the ball you know in a catchable area for OBJ so it's good he found the end zone but Stafford was you know the piece that really left this passing game hanging in this complete smash spot of a matchup now Dwayne the good news is not we don't we don't like injuries but this really doesn't matter like Daryl Henderson did suffer a sprained knee but even before that man Sony was absolutely dominating touches we saw this last week I mean if Henderson's out of the picture like I think we're here, man. Like, if, if you think Henderson's better than Sony, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you, but I don't think it's a rock solid case. We're at the point where we were treating Henderson as a true RB1 with that sort of volume, and now Sony Michelle has the exact same volume. Thus, Dwayne, we have an RB1 here for the last two weeks of the year. Yeah, and I don't blame people for wanting to see one more data point with Daryl Henderson coming back from COVID. Like, I get it. It could have been a closer split. I don't think anyone was screaming that it was going to be Daryl Henderson taking the backfield over. There probably were those people. My bigger concern just was, could it be closer to 60-40, right? It could it be closer to 55-45 instead of what we had seen in the previous week. And actually, even before Daryl Henderson left the game, like Sony was completely dominating the work again. And so, uh, you know, with Henderson leaving, you know, folks know that he pretty much had an every down roll, but 90% of the snaps, 76% of the routes, 84% of the rushing attempts, 100% short down and distance, 90% long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So, yeah, Sony Michelle. And a top five, top six offense in the NFL is the lead back moving forward. Um, so if you've got him in your championship round, it's going to be really tough to not have Sonny Michelle in the starting lineup. On the Vikings side of thing, Kirk Cousins, not exactly his best game ever. He did finish with 315 yards through the air, but one interceptions and not one, not two, but three fumbles. He did manage to recover each and every one of them. So we saw some strikes. Same thing with Stafford. Like Kirk Cousins and Stafford, you give them enough clean pockets, you're going to see these guys make some high-level throws downfield. And we saw that mostly to Justin Jefferson, eight catches, 116 yards, and also K.J. Osborne, five catches, 68, and a tutty. Not so much Adam Thielen because he did have to leave this game early with an ankle injury, although we did see him return before that half. So good news for Thielen, who obviously just missed a bunch of time with that same injury. And, you know, Dwayne, it kind of was what it was, man. We know Jefferson is an upside wide receiver one, even in this tough matchup against Jalen Ramsey. And they were going at it. You know, I usually get the shadow data on a Tuesday afternoons after all the games were done. But it sure looked like, you know, from having this be one of the five or so games I was, you know, more actively tuned into than the other ones at 1 p.m. It did seem like, you know, Ramsey, even if it was in zone coverage sometimes was actively lining up across from Justin Jefferson. But I would just, you know, caution to people and we got to see if Dalvin Cook is going to be back. I believe he has a chance if he is cleared 
literally on the first day that it's possible. He has no more symptoms and he's good to go. I think he has a chance to get back for next week. But if not, Dwayne, I'm not letting this usage you know, impact anything about Alexander Madison. It was a game where they got down. So yeah, he couldn't exactly flirt with 30 carries like we might see with a positive game script. But we still saw him get four targets, 13 carries. Like We can live with a 17 uh, carry and target floor in a worst case scenario. Are you with me like Madison? Maybe we don't rank him RB2, which is where I had him uh, overall. Uh, next week, but maybe we will. Either way, this is still an RB1 that needs to be in your lineups each and every game. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to not think that Madison can't be in the top six or so. I haven't even looked at next week at the matchups, but um, 75% of the snaps, 73% of the routes, 74% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance, 75% of long down and distance situations, as well as 100% of the two-minute offense. That is an every down back, folks. So, I mean, you had 26% of the carries go to Wang Wu, but it it's not like this was a, you know, it's not like the guy was coming in and like stealing half the work. Like this was what you think of whenever you're like, okay, just somebody giving someone else a breather. That's really all that was going on. Yeah. Moving right along. Jets took down the Jaguars 26 to 21, covering as a two and a half point favorite over hit at 42 and a half. So by far the coolest play in this one and by far the coolest play of his career, Zach Wilson, 52 yard scamper, brought back memories of Sam Darnold, you know, doing the damn thing against the Broncos. Looked like he was about to fall the whole way, like a <laughs> toddler running how to walk and they're like walking around like a, a sharp edge, like table. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he just kept like somehow like kept staying upright. And he didn't hit the Kenny Pickett fake slide, but he did start to slow down looking like he was going out of bounds, which I see Mahomes do more than just about anyone before accelerating past making another move and getting into the end zone. And man, he turned his next three carries into another 39 yards. So like this dude was running around and, you know, I guess it was encouraging to see if he can figure out the passing thing a little bit more in the next year. Because again, just the fact that we know Zach Wilson has 91 yard upside in his back pocket because he just pulled that off in an actual NFL game. You know, it's good. It was against the Jaguars. He did still only throw for 102 yards, uh, but it is good to see, you know, that potential Konami code form in 2022 if we want to get ugly in the late round quarterback scene. Unfortunately, the receivers, you know, a lot of us were hoping for a bigger game from Braxton Berrios. Five catches, 37 yards. But the thesis of the play was always assuming that he would score a kick return touchdown. So all you Braxton Berrios touts out there, just, you know, go take your victory lap. Who cares? Um, anyway, without Jamison Crowder, Berrios will continue to be the only viable receiver in this passing game. I guess the fun thing to see, Dwayne, was the performance of Michael Carter. 16 carries, 118 yards. And man, he looked good doing it. Actually tied with Aaron Jones with a weak high. Six broken tackles on runs. And he almost scored a touchdown um i believe it was one yeah he had two catches one of them was in the flat near the goal line and he got stopped just short next play wilson threw a touchdown to the tight end so on the year now we have javante williams number one of course you've all heard this a million times and missed tackles force per carry but now tied for second is nick chubb and none other than michael carter the problem Dwayne, i would love now- teammates man leading the league <laughs> I would now, oh, that is wild. Wow, that'll be, ooh, ooh. I'm going to use that for the eventual tweet, Twain. Thank you. <laughs> but the problem is, man, like all these great things about Michael Carter, I also look up and I see Tevin Coleman with 14 carries and a reception on his own. So Michael Carter, we know he's the most talented back in this Jets backfield, but how confident are you, Dwayne, in treating him as a potentially an RB2 moving forward based on the good old usage? 
Yeah, seventy-four percent of the snaps though to Carter, sixty-two percent of the routes, there we go, fifty percent of the rushing of plays versus forty-four percent for Coleman. Coleman only had thirty-three percent of the snaps. So really, it's Michael Carter has all the passing down work and half of the rushing attempts, which is nearly back to where he was when we were grading him as an RB one or borderline RB one earlier in the year. So Coleman is really just kind of taking over the role that had been filled by. A couple of other players, um, so I think he's in a good. I think he's in a good spot. Eighty percent of the short down and distance, seventy-three percent of the long down and distance, and eighty-eight percent of the two-minute offense went to Michael Carter. So I think he's in a really solid spot. And thirty-eight percent of his thirty-eight uh, percent missed tackle force per attempt. You know, per kind of back to your six being high on the week. Twenty-five percent of his carries went for ten yards or more in the game. So he's in a really good spot. Sixteen carries, one hundred eighteen yards. I, I feel good about Carter moving forward. He's going to continue to. Carry, share some of the work on the ground, but at least it's down to a two-way backfield. Like we didn't have like Ty Johnson yeah. getting 10% of the work, right? Like we saw with Austin Walter last week. So that's a positive. <laughs> gotta, gotta love when you can get Austin Walter and Ty Johnson touches, but if not anymore. first names, like, you know, we're going to call you out <laughs> on the show. <laughs> All right. On the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, another scoreless performance, 280 yards. I was shocked, man, when I actually looked up. Uh, I think Red Zone was like, this was one of the later games going on. And they actually showed Trevor Lawrence get them inside the 10-yard line after ripping off a nice 26-yard run. Had a chance to steal this one at the end. Unfortunately, could not do so. Ended up with the L. And even more, unfortunately. And I've already seen you know multiple screenshots from people out there that had Stone Nuts DFS lineups. Unfortunately, you had Jay James Robinson in that RB1 spot. He has suffered a torn Achilles. Prayers out there for James RB1. Son, never want to see that. You know, hopefully that Cam Akers recovery is a sign that Robinson can get back to being a stud in 2022 or whenever he is ready to do so. In his absence, though, we saw Dari Agumbawale. Ooh, I nailed that one, baby. 17 carries, 57 rushing yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Also chipped in two catches for 15 yards. And hey, we had some wide receivers put up some numbers here. Marvin Jones, eight catches, 74 yards. Tavon, six catches, 58. Even Trebwell cleared uh, 50 yards. But Dwayne, come on. It's the Jaguars. And this is a pretty cool stat I got from uh, Scott Barrett, uh, you know, former PFF himself. Now he is, quote unquote, director of dank stats over at Fantasy Points. Love Scott, but cool. Uh, cool stat from his Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. Trevor Lawrence has one touchdown over his last eight games. He has eight total games with 24 plus passes and zero passing touchdowns. That is more than Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield have in their entire careers. This has been horrendous, Dwayne. Our own employee Sam Monson brought up the point that if you just did not know who Trevor Lawrence was and you only watched his phone from this year, you know, where would you say he's drafted? And it sure as hell wouldn't be first overall. So hopefully. Trevor, like Zach Wilson, turned this thing around, but it just continues to be awfully brutal. And I mean, come on, you guys really want to be chasing 280 scoreless yards from Trevor Lawrence against the Jets. Couldn't be me. So ignore this passing game. But Dwayne, what are your thoughts on Ogumba Wale? Because yeah, we'll need to check out what the uh, you know active roster situation is going to be. Historically, Dari has been just more of a scat back. So, you know, I am worried that we see him. He had this usage because there was no one else to turn to, and we'll see who's active next week. Is that kind of the gist you got? here or do you think we could actually be looking at a potential week 17 savior no i, I think it's going to be tough to do that i think you'll have rockwell arms armstead or somebody like that available next week that can come in and play yeah agamawale had all of the work today but there was nobody else there like they had a fullback available like i think that was it <laughs> so there was just nobody else to challenge i think rockwell armstead is like you know thankfully good because we didn't hear stuff about his battle from COVID for a long time, but I think he was just a healthy scratch in this one. So yeah. I would think that Armstead will probably come back and be the lead guy. 
I'll probably just avoid the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else to add? <laughs> no, no. I don't think you need to. It. Fair enough. Jets, Jaguars. Yeah, Ste- we Stephon are... Diggs with another pick. I mean, we, so there's that. Ste- Stephon Diggs. There we go. All right. Eagles took down the Giants. Speaking of NFC East action, 34 to 10, covering as 11-point favorites. The overcashed at 41. Jalen Hurts, only seven rushing yards in this one. He did help his uh, stock, though, with two passing scores, 199 yards through the air. One score went to Devontae Smith on an absolutely beautiful toe-drag swag in the front corner of the end zone. Good ball from Hurts, too, on the run. And then also, you guessed it, Lane Johnson. And decided to pass Miles Sanders on the touchdown leaderboard with a tackle eligible score from the five yard line. So, hey, Jalen Hurts had to deal with four drops in this one. He also had a 21 yard touchdown to Dallas Goddard, nullified on a hold. This happens. He didn't need to run the ball. He usually does. He's got us to this point. He'll continue to be a QB1 next week and beyond if you're into those week 18 championship things. Dwayne, the bigger story here, because hey, Devontae Smith did good. Five catches, 80 yards, and a score. Just seven targets, though. And that's is most since week seven. So we know with Devontae, you know, good for him for cashing in on these, but he's a wide receiver three that will have some good games because he's a great wide receiver, not enough volume to treat him different. Now in the running back room, we have Miles Sanders, who's now at a league high, 163 touches without a touchdown. Shout out Tevin Coleman with 90 in second place. But he suffered a hand injury and got ruled out. Jordan Howard suffered a stinger from what I'm seeing. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. he was able to return, but if he's out, Hey, Boston Scott scored this game, noted giant killer, giant slayer. So we knew that he had that in him. But Dwayne, if Howard and Sanders are out, we could inexplicably be looking at a three-down roll for Boston Scott. Some Kenny Gamewell, too. But it looks like things are really turning in the Boston Scott's direction right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Scott would be the player like we would definitely want to be thinking about as far as you know lineups for next weekend if both of these guys are out. Howard will probably be something that'll come down to the wire since it's a stinger type thing. My guess is they'll have him ready to play, but but you never know. Like Howard has dealt with these shoulder injuries in the past, so we'll have to wait and see on him. But yeah, it was Scott, it was Scott out there to finish the game. Like you mentioned, Gainwell was out there a little bit. I haven't been able to break it down just by quarters yet, so I'll have to do that in the utilization report tomorrow. But I think we've seen enough at this point from the way the Eagles have handled the backfield. They like Boston Scott, and so if it's a situation where Sanders can't go, even if Howard's available. I would expect San- I would expect Scott to play Sanders' role. Like so, I would expect him to start the game. I would expect him to handle a lot of the touches in the first half. Um, you know, they could potentially use Howard in that closer type role again. Or if it's a game where it's not, you know, something where the Eagles are leading and it's not they don't really have that closer role it could be a little bit more of a split but i think boston scott would be very viable you know low end rb2 honestly i would feel fine slotting him in right where wherever you've been putting miles sanders in your ranks (laughs) you would put boston scott in the same spot i thought for a second you were gonna like start giving him like an rb1 shout and then you said wherever miles sanders i was like okay Thank no, God. no, no, no. Yeah. Low. It's, you know, and I've had, I've kept Sanders around like a right around like that RB 20 to RB 25 range, like that borderline RB two, just because like, it, you know, they can use three guys. If all of a sudden Howard and Sanders are out, well, then you're getting closer to being, you know, a borderline RB one. New York Giants offense, absolutely pitiful in this one. Mike Glennon found Evan Ingram for a touchdown at the very end of the game. Other than that, just a lone field goal. So Mike Glennon was in there at the end because Jake Fromm, you know, had 17 pass attempts and got 25 passing yards. I actually said 28 earlier and was mistaken. Twenty. It's okay. I said Stefan Diggs instead of Trayvon Diggs, so it's not bad, Ian. 25 <laughs> freaking passing yards on 17 attempts. Like, you know, Dwayne, if you were under center – 
playing quarterback for 17 pass attempts, you have a chance to beat that. I'm not you saying you would, but you actually have a chance. And I think we I do a good job. I would the first hit, but if until I got hit, I would have a chance, Ian. Like, you know, again, this podcast, we don't make a habit of trying to, you know, <laughs> boost ourselves up as athletic features. But 25 passing yards and 17 attempts. Enough of that, but that is why there is Tony. Nine targets, just four catches, 28 yards. And Kenny Galladay with eight targets, three catches, 22 yards, busted in such a manner. I mean, Galladay in particular, 111 unrealized air yards, third highest mark on the week. We cannot touch this passing game with a 10-foot pole unless, you know, you enjoy losing fantasy games. That's kind of the point we've got to. And Dwayne, at this point, man, Saquon Barkley, it's going to be hard not to put him in low-end RB2. And this look, this was his dud. Like, he has been in RB2 more weeks than not, you know, over the past two months. But the upside at this point is non-existent. And my God, man, if I get any start-sit question remotely close to this guy moving forward, I think we're going to have to go with the other guy, man. And it's just this overall offensive environment at this point. So, for Saquon, man, one catch, negative four yards, only one target because, of course, let's not get him involved in the way that uh, he has been most effective this year. 15 carries, 32 yards. Thoughts on the only usable asset, or so we thought, left in New York? Yeah, man. Uh, 54% of the snaps went to Booker, 34% to Barkley. 57% of the routes went to Booker, only 19% to Barkley. Sick. 65% of the rushing attempts to Barkley. 30% to Booker. So at this point, what they've done is Saquon Barkley, if this week is any indication, he's an early down back on a terrible offense. All the passing down work went to Booker. 75% of the short down and distance also went to Booker. So it's just, it's a bad spot. You've now Are we got, doing it? Are we doing an RB3? Just, just, just tell me. Yeah, I mean, look, oh it's low God. end RB2 at best. Like there's no way to really, you can't have him like higher than like 18 or so probably in your ranks. I, again, I haven't looked at the matchups next week, but this is... It's, and this is a trend. Like, this is three weeks in a row that this has just gone further and further down. And it's not like Barkley's play is, has us screaming, why is he not getting more touches? Like, he doesn't look great either. On our uh, PFF Sunday show, we had to do, like, you know, kind of talk about, like, our worst one of our worst takes from this year. And I brought up Saquon, and I basically said, like, you know, I, I saw potentially the, the slow start of the year coming. But the fact that I cannot readily tell who has the ball between Saquon and Devontae Booker, you know, it is what it is, Dwayne. One of the uh, best running backs in the game, unfortunately, no longer is. For Kadarius Tony, though, this is a positive for dynasty players. Like, yeah. you know, coming out again, he was only out there for 51% of the routes, but demanded th- uh, 21% of the targets. That's 30% targets per route run. So, like, when he's out there, like, he's he's available. He's getting his quarterback's attention. They're throwing in the ball. I haven't looked to see how many of these were designed kind of throws, like, around the line of scrimmage. His dot wasn't really high at 3.75. He played the slot mostly today. So, Tony, yeah, not coming through, not something you're going to care much about for the rest of this season. But for Dynasty folks, he's continuing to flash when he has an opportunity. Bills took down the Patriots 33-21. It was a pick by the time it closed, and the overcash at 43-and-a-half. Josh, pretty much awesome the whole game. 314 yards, three touchdowns through the air, no turnovers, also chipped in 64 rushing yards. And I just love that Josh got a $258 million contract, and this dude is still hurdling defenders right in the middle of the field. So entertaining, always has been. Never change Josh Allen. Unfortunately for Allen, and one of these was, I guess two of these were his fault. So kind of, you know, 
shame on you, Josh Allen, I guess would be the better uh, terminology there. But Jake Kumaro, you know, Aaron Rodgers, noted, famed BFF forever. Uh, he was wide open for an easy 25-yard score, but Josh Allen missed him pretty badly. And he also missed Dawson Knox near the goal line, kind of threw it like 90 miles per hour behind him. Knox did get to convert later, though, for a short touchdown. And then also during this game, Emmanuel Sanders dropped a short touchdown pass that hit him in the chest. So just keep in mind when checking those box scores. But Dwayne, no Gabriel Davis, no Cole Beasley, both unvaccinated. So there's a chance that they are both out again uh, next week. Isaiah McKenzie, 11 catches, 125 yards, and a score on 12 targets. Yeah, we saw Diggs doing his thing, 7 for 85 and a score on 13 targets. But man, McKenzie, they've always used him a handful of snaps per game, and they usually give him some of those pop passes, maybe one or two. But we hadn't really seen him work much as a true wide receiver. He did have a drop in this one, but again, he caught 11 to 12 targets. If Beasley and Davis are out again, Dwayne, I think we're going to have to put McKenzie right away in that upside wide receiver three conversation because clearly he is maybe not, you know, he'll be right there with Sanders is my point because we all went into this week thinking Sanders was going to be the clear cut number two, but he really just stayed, I think, as more of the clear out field stretcher threat where McKenzie was the one they were actively trying to scheme the ball to. So, you know, we were hoping Devin Singletary could uh, be that guy and he did still have some good usage here, but Dwayne, thoughts on, I guess, McKenzie and Singletary emerging as viable fantasy assets because we know what we have in Dick and you know to a lesser extent Knox but yeah McKenzie and Singletary what you got no I like McKenzie I mean I actually put him higher than um Emmanuel Sanders in the ranks you Ooh. know and I had him up in the 40 range you know because you're sharp week. man because you're sharp just, well it's just because of last year we saw the same type of game at the end of the year against the um, Dolphins who run a lot of man coverage that game they actually had Byron Jones and, and uh, I can't remember if Xavier Howard was available but they had you know most of their corners available they ran a lot of ran- a man coverage in that game um, and it was a similar kind of situation. And we had eight targets, six receptions, and McKenzie had two touchdowns in that game against the Dolphins last year. So it was really just more of that, looking at a time when they just had been forced to use McKenzie, like he had come through. Um, also gets involved on the, on the ground as well. Um, last year he had two jet sweeps. This year he, had, he did have one rushing attempt. It was for minus one yard. So he's just an explosive playmaker, man. He's tough to deal with yeah. from the slot. Um, and I don't know what Cole Beasley's contract situation is, but it may be up after this year. And with Beasley, you know, he's not vaccinated. Um, so you could have a situation where you get another start out of Isaiah McKenzie. But yeah, I mean, out there for 87, 85% of the snaps, 87% of the routes, 88% um, of the short down, sorry, not short down distance, 100% of long down distance. So when they had to pass, he was for sure on the field, 29% target share. 39% of the air yards. That's what was nice about him. It wasn't just all like two and three yard right. dump passes. You know, he had a 9.8 average depth of target today. So missed tackles forced. Uh, sorry, not missed tackles forced. Uh, yards after contact, like on his one carry. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm reading this. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> the catchable passes, 100%, you know, with Josh Allen. Uh, Allen was like like dead on today. Like yeah. he, most of the passes he threw were catchable. Like he had a great day. Um, so yeah, McKenzie, I agree with you. I think he's in the wide receiver three conversation. Look, the thing is with Sanders, like I'm just not confident in the player. Like he hasn't done anything in two months and now he's playing through an injury. Um, so it's not like Emmanuel Sanders, you know, when he got hurt, like was just lighting things up for us. He wasn't. And speaking of Josh Allen, AKA fantasy QB one, Josh Allen, man, I'm trying to get my list of these past leaders oh my gosh while you're doing that real quick Devin Singletary did have Zach Moss available today um they chose to have Breda out 
And so it was still 68% of the snaps to Singletary, 33% to Moss, 65% of the routes to Singletary, 19% to Moss. Then you had 44% of the rushing attempts to Singletary, 37% designed rushing attempts to Josh Allen, 63% of the short down and distance to Singletary, 88% of the long down and distance. So really Singletary is still a near every down back, even with Zach Moss active, which is a positive for him. He had five receptions for 39 yards on six targets. Okay, I made you wait, Dwayne, but I got a cool stat because of it. Josh Allen finished as the overall fantasy QB1 in 2020. He entered this week as the overall QB1, and based on those numbers he just put up, I would not expect that to change. In 2019, he was QB6. 2018, he was even the QB1 during the final six weeks of the year. But again, if he finishes this year as QB1, he will be repeating as that. Can you name, Dwayne, the last quarterback to repeat as fantasy's QB1? And it happened in 2003 and 2004. 2003 and 2004. You get one guess. I get one guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't Dante know. Culpepper. Culpepper. Who also posted <laughs> I knew it was going to be something I wouldn't guess. <laughs> yeah. Once I was like, you get one guess, you knew it wasn't Brady or Manning or one of those guys. But yeah, Josh freaking Allen, people. Fantasy guy from day one and as we saw today. And, you know, for... At least a heavy portion of 2021 continues to look like a damn world beater in real life as well. On the Patriots side of things, you know, this was a letdown game for Mac Jones. Had to do a little bit more than usual and did not go well. 14 for 32, just four and a half yards per attempt and tossed two picks. He threw the ball deep and it did not look good throughout the entire game. So, you know, didn't have Nelson Aguilar out there. I'm not sure that made the biggest of difference, but I thought, you know, throw that in there. Jacoby Myers, six catches, 59 yards. But yeah, at this point, Myers, you know, wide receiver four. Kendrick Bourne hates your fantasy team, like to begin with. So I don't know why you wanted to go play him, but he's also a wide receiver four at best. And again, I would just try to avoid this passing game because even in a game at the Patriots, you know, we're down, let's see, 17 to 10 at halftime and obviously end up losing by double digits, by double digit points. Damian Harris, 18 carries, 103 yards, not one, not two, but three scores. You know, we didn't see him get a pass game roll. That will be the case. But Dwayne, it seemed like it was just Damian Harris and Brandon Bolden. And as we always say, we can live with two RB backfields just as long as there's not three or four. Yep, that was the key. You just had it down to the two. Only 49% of the snaps to Damian Harris, only 21% of the routes, but he got 75% of the work on the ground, 80% short down a distance. So, I mean, like he... He was the lead back as far as like getting the rushing attempts. Bolden was the guy out there, 100% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. Didn't really do enough to make it, make any kind of dent for your fantasy day. He was playing the James White role. Bengals took down the Ravens 41 to 21, covering easy as a seven and a half point favorite over cash at 43 and a half. That over was done by halftime. I mean, this game was freaking 31 to 14 in favor of the Bengals after just 30 minutes of action. Joey freaking Burrow, 525 yards, four touchdowns. And hey, we talked about this, you know, on the preview pod where with the with the Ravens refusing, as Dwayne told you, refusing to really change their ways with the man coverage. And, you know, as I told you, looking at how good Burrow had been against the Blitz, even dating back to their first matchup when for the first time really all year, Burrow was throwing a lot in a, you know, neutral or even positive game script like they had in that first blowout uh, and just all came together. So T Higgins, 12 catches, 194 yards yards and two scores and all 12 of those catches went for first down so you know we i don't want to ramble too much but i do think that you know if you want to look at what making fantasy football most accurately like portray the good stuff in real life i think point per first down does a better job at that than point per reception 
Don't quote me on that. I'm not saying that's exactly what I want, but just something to think about because T. Higgins is a beast. And he almost got sheesh, though, because he had a coulda, shoulda been five-yard score after this ridiculous 52-yard catch and double coverage. But hey, Burrow went right back to him a few plays later and got him the touchdown. Also had a sheesh for Tyler Boyd. 38-yard score when he mossed the guy, but upon further review, the ball actually rolled out. Didn't really matter because Boyd, three catches, 85 yards and a score on a 68-yard out and up from the slot man. And hey, there's Jamar Chase too. Seven catches, 125 yards in the score. And oh, I'm not done because this team scored 41 points and threw for 525 yards. Joey Mixon, in addition to his 65 yards in the score on the ground, chipped in 70 yards in a score in the air. Dwayne, like he was only at five catches for 18 yards. And then I'm like, who's Burrow throwing this ball 50 yards down the you field You could have started to? the whole Bengals team and had a chance to win a DFS tournament. Like with no matter who else you put in. You could Seriously. have Mixon in, you could have all three receivers and Burrow, and it could have worked. This was absolutely bonkers. But yeah, I mean, that that Mixon, like, again, 52-yard catch down the field. Like, that's kind of what we've been wanting to see, Dwayne. It's what's made, like, Samaj P. Yeah. Ryan's continued involvement on pass downs frustrating because we know Mixon can be that guy. But, man, just overall, this Bengals offense, man. When it's clicking, it's humming. And we just know at this point, if you have a Bengals player, you should probably be in your starting lineup. And they kept the pedal to the metal on the pace. 76 plays today. Like in this, and they were Let's winning go. this game late in the game. I mean, they were still running plays and letting Burrow throw the ball. So it was almost like it was just like this. Hey, all you fantasy players, we know we thought you were you thought we were gonna run this offense all, all year. We just wanted to let you see what it looks like. <laughs> so next year, you'll still be guessing. Are they going to be the slow and uh, run heavy Bengals? Or are they going to be the throw all the time? I think this was matchup induced. Based, again, back to what we talked about on the matchup pod last week. They said, look, the Ravens are stubborn. They're staying in man coverage all the time. We have three great receivers that can beat any one of these corners on any play. And they just kept the pedal to the metal on it. And I think it was a great game plan. So at least give, you know, um, Zach Taylor, a, a, a hat tip, like the fact that he knew what his matchups were and he went with that this week. Um, and I think take that as a positive. So, but otherwise, as far as the Bengals go, there's really nothing here. I mean, same thing with Mixon. You had P. Ryan getting 70% of the long down distance, but Mixon did get the two minute offense, 78%, which they use a little bit more than normal today, um, trying to keep the tempo upbeat. Um, and Mixon, 90% of the rushing attempts. So that's the big thing. Even in the games where he gets just completely you know, scripted out of the pass game, he's still getting, you know, somewhere between 18 and 20 touches, you know, Ian, because he gets such a massive workload in the rushing department. Yeah, and I don't have a hat on right now, but once I do, I will hat tip it to Burrow because I'm just happy that he now is the league leader in yards per attempt at 8.7 for, you know, going into last week. It was Jimmy Garoppolo, which just felt weird. You guys all watched that game. Now it's Joey B as the league's most weird. efficient passer. <laughs> Jimmy can't and, be leading this stat. It just come on. Like, what are we doing here? We all know there's something up here. Uh, dude, I was cracking up um, one of our actual very good Twitter account and someone that is lucky. You know, we are lucky to have him, I should say, uh, right for PFF at uh, Tej FB Analytics. He is a research and development intern at PFF and also part of Michigan football analytics. So I hate you for that. But otherwise, you know, great guy. But yeah, sent out that tweet where, you know, it's the one guy like looking out to one side of the train and everything's all spooky and gloomy. And then I got looking out to the, you know, sunny, cool mountains. And the guy looking out the sunny mountains is Jimmy G's EPA per play. And the guy looking at the gloomy stuff is actually watching Jimmy play football so that usually is how it goes but back to the actual game we were talking about the Ravens man 
No Lamar, no Tyler Huntley. Josh Johnson played great. Like, okay, we had two fumbles in there and we had a pick, but for this guy to come in hardly any time. I mean, Tyler Huntley, we were hearing reports he was going to be starting Friday night, Saturday morning even. Josh Johnson came in 304 yards, two scores and a pick. And really, man, like watching him out there, like there were multiple other plays that I wouldn't call drops, but they were still good, catchable balls. He was not, you know, this was not a Mike White. It I'm definitely check the makes ball you wonder, man. Like, yeah. Josh Johnson's I've I've seen these flashes from him in the past. It makes you wonder if like if he came into the league now, like how would he potentially be utilized? I know he wasn't a high draft pick, but I mean, and he's been around, he's a journeyman, but he's like, 35. He, he looked good in the Jets game this year and I've seen him look good in the past. It's you know, it, it just makes you wonder like, you know, did the NFL potentially miss on this guy? Could he have been more? At a minimum, it makes you wonder, like, why hasn't he been a backup quarterback elsewhere for the last few years? Based yeah, I'm on pretty some sure of he's guys. better than Mike Glennon. <laughs> Thank you. Like, how many more times do we need to see, see that giraffe out there? Let's go get Josh Johnson, people. But Mark Andrews keeps on keeping on. He catches 125 yards and a score. I was talking about this uh, with Eric Eager. We're like, when Mark Andrews came into the league, I knew he was good, but it did kind of, you kind of wondered, like, all right, it's a tight end that's lucky enough to have, you know, the majority of his team's passing game funneled to him. He's got Lamar uh, throwing a bunch of touchdowns under center. All those thoughts that I usually kept to myself, completely gone. He is a true tier one tight end. And with Kelsey not playing this week, man, Mark Andrews is the front runner now to be the first new different fantasy tight end one other than kelsey in the last five years gotta love that from mark other than that man it was just kind of frustrating Dwayne, because we have marquise brown five catches 44 yards and he actually could have had maybe another chunker chunk for 40 plus depending on what he does after the catch rashad bateman catches a touchdown on the first drive four catches 26 yards but look who's here james proch is that right <laughs> prochi Whoever the hell he is, seven catches, 76 yards on eight targets to basically make Prachi. this a four-way. Prachi, there we go. Make this a four-way uh, pecking game uh, you know, situation. So, you know, I'm not out on Marquise Brown. This is another game he's had at least five catches in. Certainly more of, you know, a high floor wide receiver three at this point. But we once again had Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray splitting work. And now we got another guy eating into some targets at least in a week where Devin DuVernay was sidelined. So, Dwayne, overall thoughts on these running backs continuing to split work and also on this passing game in a week, again, without Devin DuVernay or Sammy Watkins. Yeah, man, you can't touch the Ravens' backfield. Um, I mean, it was a little better today, like as far as, you know, Latavius Murray's role wasn't quite as big, but it's still, I mean, we're sitting at 43% um, to Freeman, 36% to Murray of the rushing attempts, 21% to Josh Johnson. So, I mean, you did see Freeman continue to stay out there in the two-minute offense, but I think it's, you know, borderline RB2, more like high-end RB3, the same same place that we had him last week. You know, um, I don't think we can really move him from there. I will say with Marquise Brown, like continues like to see the targets. We're just not seeing, you know, him come through, you know, with the big games. 24% of the targets today versus 27% for Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews had eight targets or had 10 targets and you had Marquise Brown with nine. So Brown's still very involved. Like he's, he's pretty due at this point, Ian, like with the target shares he's had for an explosion game. Texans. That's right. The Texans took down the Chargers 41 to 29, easily covering as a 13 point dog, obviously, overcashed at 45 and a half. 
Another pretty solid performance from Davis Mills, 21 for 27, 254, and two touchdowns without a single turnover along the way. And he did it without number one wide receiver, Brandon Cook. So one beautiful dime deep to Chris Conley for 41 yards. Also managed to find resident PFF social media king, Jared Evans' favorite player, Nico Collins, for a score as well. So it was a good game from Davis Mills. And I was I went into the stats on the year like, hey, is he like quietly? Because based on how bad all these rookie QBs are, I was like, could I find some stats that actually paint him as the second best rookie QB this year? No. No, I couldn't. PFF passing grade, he's still a second worst rookie QB ahead of only Zach Wilson. Yards per attempt, he's fourth. QB rating, he's third. So he hasn't exactly outplayed these guys. But the fact that this third round pick actually is in the conversation with everyone that was picked multiple rounds ahead of them. I And let's face it, probably on the worst team of the group. I know the Jets and Jaguars aren't great either, but at least a similar surrounding cast. I mean, it's been a great year from Davis Mills. I did get a chuckle about, you know, he does he does a great job reporting the news, but sometimes uh, Ian Rapport, he got he's got to add his own opinion on things and he said everyone was laughing when the Texans drafted Davis Mills in the third round. Nobody was laughing. Everyone was laughing at like the mock at the reports that he was like a first round target in the back of the first round. Why would anyone think drafting Davis Mills in the third round was ridiculous? Couldn't be me, but maybe it was you. So, now that I got that off my chest, just wanted to point out that Rex Burkett also had a pretty damn good game. 222 carries, 149 yards, and two scores on the ground. Man, it was funny, uh, Dwayne. I was in one league desperate enough after – I don't want to go through the injuries, but enough injuries where I was debating between Devontae Freeman and Rex freaking Burkhead in an actual RB spot in a game I wanted to win. Made the late swap to Burkhead, and originally Royce Freeman – takes in a pretty sick 20-yard touchdown run. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I, I told people for months that Freeman was going to be more involved than he should be, but it got nullified. The next, very next play, Rex Burkhead scores for himself. So, Dwayne, how overwhelming was the usage for Burkhead? Because this was a game where David Johnson was out. You know, we've seen some other guys hit IR. And once again, the Texans are playing with a positive game script, which we shouldn't expect moving forward. But hey, man, 24 touches is a lot. And to Burkhead's credit, he looked awfully good with him. 105 yards after contact. That's that's good. Yeah. Also says the Chargers defense sucks. <laughs> um, but Burkhead, yes, I mean, 62% of the snaps, 53% of the routes, 58% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance. That one's kind of surprising. 73% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So basically... With David Johnson out, he took over all of the passing game work. The kind of wild card was, like, really where would he fall from a standpoint of rushing attempts? Because with Burkhead, we haven't seen him up towards 60%. So today, getting almost to that number at 58% of the rushing attempts. Really a huge day. Um, made a lot of people in DFS that actually used him a lot of money. I know I know uh, your old buddy, Levitan, my old boss, Levitan, uh, used Burkhead in the flex. Iowa boss too. Good job, Levy. Yeah, King shit, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's awesome for him. He, I think he won 250k with Burkhead. Ooh. He had, he basically had Burkhead and all the Bengals, <laughs> and that was enough. And he had managed to fade. He faded James, the James Robinson chalk. So yeah, um, Rex Burkhead in a really good spot. Um, as far as the rest of the Texans go, like Brevin Jordan was back. Like that's just a dynasty shout out. 60% of the routes. He did lead the tight ends though in routes. Came up with four receptions for 56 yards. I, I, I know last week. He kind of gave us the he gave us the dud because of the injury in the game. But he did lead the tight ends again today for the Texans. Um, the rest of these guys, it's just really a rotation because Brandon Cooks was out. 
with the Chargers. Herbert, 336 yards through the air, but he did throw two picks, just one touchdown at the very end of the game to Josh Palmer. And as you could probably guess with the Chargers having 29 points and Herbert not contributing to many of them, it was the Justin Jackson show. 11 carries, 64 yards, two scores on the ground. And hey, why not? Let's feature him more than Keenan freaking Allen as a receiver. He catches 98 yards on nine targets. Keenan did limp to just a four catch, 35 yard performance. I say limp like the performance what sucked he wasn't actually limping from as far as i could tell so jared cook also busted but we've talked about jared cook he's still in a committee with steven anderson and trey mckitty even with donald parham out of the picture so let's get to it Dwayne, because i was with you man justin jackson i saw as a low end rb2 and how different do you feel now that we've seen a full game's worth of you know utilization well, we just didn't have anything to truly trust to say that it wouldn't be more of a rotation. I thought he would get up to 50% of the rushing attempts, but he had 67% today. The key was you didn't have any Larry Roundtree. It was just him and Josh yeah. Kelly. And so Roundtree was active, back, I believe. Yeah, he was. But yeah, he didn't everyone touch was active. Oh my yeah, goodness. so it goes back to your really your quote earlier around the Patriots. We can deal with two. We can't three. You know, we, we just talked about it with Michael Carter. It was a three-way backfield the week before. This week, it was down to two. What happens? Carter comes through. So you don't think about it when you look at the third back, and you're like, ah, oh, 10 to 15%. What does it matter? It's enough, like, to keep that lead back from really getting the kind of role you want. But with Justin Jackson, 73% of the snaps today, 70% of the routes, 67% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down distance, 71% long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So I thought his high upside range was really half the carries, all the passing down work so he got all the passing down work and he eclipsed really where i thought he would be with the carries by almost 20 percent, which is huge i mean that's an rb1 like if he yep. gets that kind of workload that's an absolute rb1 especially with the chargers and how involved he is in the passing game does seem like eckler will be back next week but if not he yes. stepped right into the eckler role in fact like i would have to compare this this that line that i just gave you probably might eclipse anything eckler's had all year as is as involved as eckler's been <laughs> Well, right. I mean, that's the thing, man. I wasn't doubting that Jackson would be productive, but I didn't think it would be a Dalvin Cook to Alexander Madison type one-for-one -one switch. I agree. It was, Agreed. and now we know, and we will adjust moving forward. Buccaneers took down the Panthers 32-6, to covering as a 10.5-point fave under cash at 44. Man. Tom Brady, did he went in that stadium. He knew he was going to throw the ball. One guy, one guy only, Antonio Brown. 15 targets, caught 10 of them for 101 yards. With a lot of that coming that right in Stephon Grillmore's grill, man. He eventually had to leave with the groin. But we saw multiple wide receiver cornerback ISO cams of AB giving Gilmore the business, man. Looked like he was at full health and saw no signs of that knee injury. AB was a top 10 wide receiver for us this week. Hell, he could be top five next week if Goblin and Evans continue to be out. Obviously, Goblin is. We'll see about Evans. And that hamstring. It's a big game from AB. We also saw Cyril Granson catch a 62-yard bomb. And hey, let's get him a 14-yard reverse as well, who we did not see at all. From a target standpoint was Tyler Johnson. We still have Rashad Perryman out of the picture. Scotty Miller only had one target. So yeah, Dwayne, I'm a little bit annoyed. I, uh, you know, probably put a little too much stock in Tyler Johnson and not enough in Isaiah McKenzie in the old uh, DFS lineup construction. But, uh, you know, we'll look at that, hopefully, through a little more clear eyes next week. We did see Ronald Jones find the end zone, 20 carry, 65 yards. And that score also chipped in with two catches. But, of course, Keyshawn Vaughn actually managed to outgain him thanks to a 55-yard chunk run to start the game. So, Dwayne, what did you see with the wide receiver usage, first of all? Was it as focused around A.B. as it looks in the box score? And then break down what we have from the first instance of Leonard Fournette being out of the picture this year. Sure, yeah. 86% of the routes to um, 
Antonio Gibson. Next highest was Cyril Grayson at 74%. Tyler Johnson was third at 69%. So Scotty Miller, not very involved. Um, And then you had the tight ends. They were using the tight ends a lot. You had 49% of the routes to Brait, 26% to Howard, and 80% to Gronk. So really it was Gronk and Brown, the primary two guys out there in the routes doing their thing. I know Gronk didn't come through for one of the first times in a long time, right, as far as, you know, putting up a a nice box score for fantasy He dropped like a five-yard touchdown, it looked like. So he did have the opportunities. Yeah, I mean, only 7% of the targets today, but at the same time, like out there for 80% of the routes, like you're going to take that with Gronk on most days. It's just the way the game worked out. It was an Antonio Brown day, 48% target share for Antonio Brown, 52% targets per route run, 52% of the team's air yards. Like you mentioned, 10 10 targets, 101 uh, receiving yards. As far as the backfield goes, um, yeah, Ronald Jones did lead the way, 52% of the snaps versus 36% for Keyshawn John. It was a... Keyshawn Vaughn. It was essentially what we thought we would see. Um, Really, Jones leading the way on the early downs. 66% of the rushing attempts, only 22% to Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn was handling the passing down, 73% and 100%. 67% of the short down and distance went to Ronald Jones. So really, it was Jones handling the early down work, handling the short down and distance, and it was Vaughn out there on the passing downs. Yes, the one carry, which was perfectly blocked. Vaughn made a great cut to the outside, took it to the house. That was the big play for Vaughn that really made him show up on the fantasy radar, but he's not a trustable asset in fantasy lineup. Moving forward, and in fact, his his receiving grade was a twenty eight point eight. And so, when that's what you're asking him to do, um, and he can't really do it, like that's a problem for Keyshawn Vaughn. He was getting screamed at again in this game by Brady. So I don't know what's really going on there. But you know what, Ronald Jones is not a good receiver either, um, and we've seen it for multiple years. So I think Vaughn, you know, I don't think I don't think Jones is going to take over like an every down roll like we, what we saw from Lenny. We just know that really the passing down work is not in his wheelhouse. It's just a matter of can Vaughn hang on to that other role, or does it become something where they say, you know, let's live, let's give Le'Veon Bell a shot. Like I could see something like that happening over these last couple of games. But I still think Rojo is that mid range to. Uh, high-end RB2, depending on matchup, moves into the RB1 conversation each week. Um, so I think I think you're going to be happy with Rojo. Still got 20 rushing attempts. Look, you got 22 touches from the guy in the Bucks offense. Like, don't complain. Like, that easily next week could be a 30-point outing. And we got the Jets next week. There you Couldn't go. Couldn't ask for a better matchup. So, yes, Ronald we Jones are going. will be in the top six again in my ranks. You just, yep. like, you already just iced it. Like, we're, we're going straight. Straight back to the well with Rojo and couldn't be happier. We are not going straight back to the well with pretty much anyone from Carolina. Credit to Cam Newton ripping off a 33-yard run on the first drive of the game. But, Dwayne, I think you put it best on the old Twitter sphere, quoting Dwayne at Dwayne McFarlane. Cam Newton is 99.9% Clark Kent and 0.1% Superman at this point. Unfortunately, I think you are right, my friend. It pains me as a longtime Cam stand, but, yes, certainly not the same player. I like Cam too. And because of that, we saw Sam Darnold play early and often, and he didn't do any better. I mean, combined, these guys took seven sacks. Sam did complete a 63-yard bomb to Shy Smith, who apparently is also playing ahead of Terrence Marshall these days, just adding to the list. Like, you know, we joke about LaVisca Chenault, and I hope he is getting better from COVID, but when he's healthy, we joke about all the guys that need to get hurt for him to be out there. Terrence Marshall looking like, you know, the NFC version of that. But yes, other than a 63-yard bomb to Smith that was off of broken coverage, but credit to Donald for extending the play, just didn't see too much 
much go on here. We did see Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore both go five catches, 58 yards for Robbie, 55 for DJ on 10 and 11 targets respectively. But again, targets just aren't worth that much in Carolina when they're coming from Darnold and Newton. Once again, the backfield seemed to be awfully split between Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah. And oh, wait, look who's here. Old friend Reggie Bonifon also taking away some reps. So, only note I have before I throw it over to you, Dwayne, is that Amir Abdullah should have had a receiving touchdown from both Cam and Sam Darnold. They ran like a play action with Cam. There was a lot of pressure, so I won't put it fully on him. And then another one wide open from 25 yards out that Darnold sailed. So who from this offense do we care about moving forward? And I know it's kind of DJ Moore, but to what extent? Yeah, DJ Moore is really all you can use. I mean, Robbie, two out of the last three weeks has shown up. Like, he's been on the radar so, I mean, I guess if you wanted to use him as a punt play in DFS. You just hate like, yourself, you know. Yeah, you, if you hate yourself, like, and, you know, you need a healthy way to hate yourself, like Robbie <laughs> Anderson is a good way to do it. Like, if you're, like, trying to quit smoking cigarettes and, like, you just, you still feel like you want to self-sabotage, you can just play Robbie Anderson in DFS. Exactly, exactly. So, th- that's really it, man. I mean, DJ Moore continues to see, like, just this great, great usage, but just, you know, not very accurate passes. 56% of his uh, targets today were catchable. So, I mean, but this has been the story all year. So I haven't mentioned it like in the last three or four games, but every, every week he's lucky to see half of his targets be catchable. And that just causes a problem. So even when you're seeing somewhere between eight and 12 targets a game, if only half of them are catchable and then you, you know, maybe you drop one here or there. Like it's just, it, it, it just, it doesn't add up well for fantasy. Bears. That's right. The Bears took down the Seahawks. Nick Foles beat Russell Wilson in Seattle. That's where we're freaking at at this point, everyone. And yeah, I did have a six-team money line parlay that depended on the Seahawks winning to uh, get there. So excuse me for being a little bit upset that Russell Wilson couldn't beat Nick Foles freaking with the 12th were you there behind. other than that? Yes, of course. That was the last thing you needed. Huh? I had Derek Carr freaking win for me. Like when I put the Raiders down, I was like, all right, I'm going to lose this. But, you know, I like to have a little bit of skin in the game on my Sunday. Uh, no, freaking Russell Wilson. Dead to me. Not, not really. You know, Russ, I hope everything works out for you. Anyway, looking at the Bears first. Nick Foles, generally awful. But you know what? Win is a win is a win. Found a way at the end to throw a touchdown to Jimmy Graham and his no trade clause. And then on the two-point conversion, hooked up with Demir Bird in the back of the end zone. He made an absolutely fantastic catch holding the ball yeah, away from everyone. Yeah, that was a great play. That was freaking awesome, man. We see the mirror bird pop up time and time again. I think he's going to continue just popping around team by team for the next four or five years. Speed kills, and now he can just, you know, on his cover letter, like, just get, you know, get an NFT and just put that on top. And, oh, my God, I'm sounding like, like a dude, it, it really was a fantastic play. Anyone that haven't, hasn't seen it, like, you know, he basically the two defenders were trying to shove him out of the bound, out of bounds while he's still in the air. <laughs> comes down, gets both feet down, and then he holds the ball out here away from them, like Sick. where they can't get to it as he's falling out of, out of the back of the end zone. It was it was one of the better catches you're going to see. It was sick. And this did come with Allen Robinson still on the COVID list. That meant Darnell Mooney did work as the leading receiver. Five catches, 57 yards on nine targets. But, oh, wait, he was just a leading receiver because the number one pass game option in Chicago these days is David Montgomery. Seven catches for 61 yards. It is so funny watching this Bears offense down multiple scores in the fourth quarter. Just humming checkdowns to Dave Montgomery. I wonder if they actually call a play or if it's just like, all right, run deep and we're throwing it to Montgomery no matter what because that's what it's been looking like lately. Last four weeks, eight catches, six, 
five, most recently seven, 26 total. I know there's some flukiness with these splits, but just realize over the last four weeks, 26 receptions, the next closest running backs are Josh Jacobs and Leonard Fournette at 18. Montgomery's getting fed like freaking prime Alvin Kamara at this point. And fantasy managers, you got to continue to start him because 21 carries a disgusting 45 yards and a score on the ground. Montgomery has earned Game script, proof, really, RB1 treatment because of this receiving role. Does it make sense? Not really. Like, is it maybe a reason why the Bears are so bad on offense because they continue to, you know, give a give the ball to a running back averaging 2.1 yards per carry? Possibly, but that's a conversation for another day. We'll just worry about week 17 and fire up Montgomery as an RB1. Correct, Dwayne? Back me up, please. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this he's as every down as every down gets. Like, let's just put it that way. And he has been ever since he's come back from the injury. Is not He's not blinked at all. 78% of the snaps, 67% of the routes, 74% of the rushing attempts, 80% of the short down distance, 62% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. And as Ian says, the favorite Madden play, four verts with the running back sneaking out of the backfield, running yep. the crosser or the option route on the line, on the middle. It's got to be the crosser. That option one doesn't work in Madden, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it depends. Like if you know, if you used to, you could. Like if you used Playmaker, but now okay. yeah, it may be different now for you, Ian. But I haven't played Madden in like three years. But anyway, um, yeah, Montgomery looks great. Cole Komet does continue to, you know, his routes continue to be up over 80%. He's getting involved. You already mentioned Darnell Mooney and Bird, but I just want to give a quick shout out to Komet. Like he has been pretty good down the stretch. Like, I mean, he's been between like six, you know, five, six, seven, eight targets like every week for like the last four or five, six weeks, something like that. Um, you know, I'd have to pull it all up. But like Komet, like has been a guy that's slowly been rising up my ranks. Not, not a tight end one yet, but it's like he's closing in. Like every week it's like he's right there. Now he's borderline, right? Tight end one. And he continues to see really strong utilization. Of course, Jimmy Graham, you know, Ian, I won't take your tagline here, but he caught a touchdown. And I know he has this no trade something. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I actually already included that when I was talking about it, so I won't completely kill everyone with this, but oh my God, what the... So I'm actually, okay, he's got one of those weird contracts where <laughs> I saw it through 2025 and I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me here, but it's one of those void year contracts. So I believe Jimmy Graham is gonna be gone next year. Obviously he won't be traded, but he will probably be part of a release. And with that in mind, Cole Komet, man, someone that I think will be a regular mainstay in the tight end one ranks in 2022. On the other side of the ball, the Seahawks, you know, I thought Metcalf was about to go nuclear and he catches a 41 yard score, just roast the guy in front of him. No safety help, of course. Of course, Metcalf is going to do that. We talked about all the sheeshes he's had over the past few weeks. Only five targets on the game, though. Tyler Lockett had six. Unfortunately, couldn't find the end zone. Only other guy to score. Gerald Everett, four catches, 68 yards with a 26-yard score with no Will Disley in the lineup. But Dwayne, you know, we're getting, we kind of know we have at this point. Everett, upside tight end two, Metcalf and Lockett. You know there's going to be some floor games when we have Russ and the company still trying to pound the rock. But look at Rashad Penny. 17 carries, 135 yards, and a touchdown. There's always, you know, you look at any Seahawks injury report, and there's always like three running backs on there. So knock on wood that this holds. But, Dwayne, we're looking at a running back now that I think has starting to earn some top 15, top 16. You know, maybe treatment, at least is in the conversation for it. He's definitely an RB2. 
Like, yep. I, I think, you know, it's a locked-in thing now. I mean, last week he had the injury. He was in and out of the game. Um, only 54% of the snaps, but 75% of the rushing attempts. And I think that's the big key. Alex Collins was actually available, but it was just he and DJ Dallas. Travis Homer had some snaps. Some of those came, you know, on special teams. But it was essentially Penny handling all the early down work, 75% of the rushing attempts. DJ Dallas handling the passing down, 73% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, but only 17% of the rushing attempt. So Penny, it, you look, it's not an offense you love. You're, you're, you're thankful if you can just get this team. I think they ran, they actually clipped 50 plays today. Way to go. Seahawks Ooh. way to go. Got to 56 <laughs> today. So, which was only third worst on the day. The Bronco, ew, I don't even know if that's right for the Broncos. I may have like not got all the data pulled in, but the Falcons only had 46. I know I have all their data. So the Falcons sucked worse than you Seahawks. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Gotta love some plays. Actually coming out of Seattle for once. Kinda, you know, it's all relative with them. We can't get too excited. Raiders took down the Broncos 17-13. to This was easily the worst game of the day. Unfortunately, man, my guy Drew Locke, like, I don't want this out of you, Drew. 153 scoreless yards and no turnovers. Like, that's boring. That's boring, Drew Locke, and that's something I will not stand. So get that's that shit together. That's Drew Locke right there. I, I, I hated every second of it, man. Like, come on, you didn't even put the ball on the ground and recover it. Like, what am I even standing you for, man? Because, Dwayne, this is like my master plan. Most people try to root for players that, and like, in the hopes of them being good. And then when they aren't good, they get yelled at. I'm turning this around, man. You know, I'm, z- I'm zigging where everyone else is zagging, trying to root for Locke to be bad. But, you know, he was bad, but just not in an entertaining way. So with that off my chest, we did see a nice 40-yard completion to Jerry Judy. Otherwise, just not much was going right. Cortland Sutton, another game under 40 yards. Tim Patrick couldn't get going. Noah Fan couldn't get going. Basically, nobody could get going because the Broncos had 100 freaking 58 total yards of offense. So... Luckily, Dwayne, Devontae Williams did score a touchdown. Funny story about that. So, you know, usually about 12-15 on Sundays after I'm done with the PFF NFL show. Send out a tweet doing start sits, and I try to answer as many as possible for a good 20-25 minutes. As I was trying to break down someone's running back question, I was going to say sit Javante. I actually accidentally didn't at them. I just sent out a tweet saying I saw sitting. It. I saw I it. I said, just said sit. I'm something sit Javante. I just I said, like, what is all I doing? said was sitting Javante Williams. And it had no other context than that. I think it, I just got, could, it probably got like a thousand likes and a hundred retweets. I don't think it was that crazy, but people were hitting me with like the Ian, like, are you being held like kidnapped right now? Like, like this tweet for so attention. Everyone thought it was just a blanket sit Javante. Right. I didn't see it for like 15 minutes because I just kept going through those questions. So I caught it like 15 minutes before a kick. And, you know, I said, please, no, disregard this, uh, everyone. I included the John Lynch, you know. Yeah, sorry, everyone. I, I was in the middle of mass with my family and uh, accidentally well, luckily, sent that it, it worked out. out. Like, it made you look brilliant. <laughs> right? Well, he did score a touchdown. But, you know, Dwayne, this is yeah, my long that way of turning it over to you. For. Yeah, yeah. Like, How did the usage look? Um, it was basically what it's been. Um, it's really split down the middle as far as the rushing attempts, 47%, 47%. Actually, I shouldn't say it is what it, it's what it's been because the last couple of weeks we've seen really Javante take over the passing downward, right? We've seen the split continue in the rushing you know, department, but Javante handling more of the other duties, and they were exactly split. Like It doesn't get more split than this. So snaps, 55%. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name Gordon, then Williams. Snaps, 55% to 52%. Routes, 33% to 40, 44%. So Williams still a little ahead there. Rushing attempts, 47% to 47%. But then short down and distance, 50% to 50%. Long down and distance, 50% to 50%. So exactly cutting it right down the middle. 
My goodness, Denver, I guess you're going to keep doing you. Um, that's basically, again, 158 yards of offense. Tough to say too much more. With the Raiders, yeah, I mean, Derek Carr, win is a win is a win. And this is also, claps, only the second time they've cleared 16 points since Henry Ruggs uh, was released from the team. So congrats on getting the 17 uh, Las Vegas. Somehow they have eight wins this year. Uh, to this day, I have no idea how they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Oh but what do you even have to whatever. Say I don't know. I don't know, Dwayne. Sometimes I just want to burn. Some people want to watch the world burn. Apparently I'm one of them. Carr did throw a horrific interception. Like the only reason Javante got that touchdown was because Carr was picked off right before halftime, trying to throw a stupid screen that they probably shouldn't have attempted in the first place. He also lost an ill-advised fumble later. So at least Foster Moreau caught all four of his targets for 67 yards. But man, we can't even get Hunter Renfro to be the target hog anymore. Thank God he scored a touchdown. But we saw both Deshaun Jackson and Zay Jones uh, finish. You know, they had... 13 combined targets. Hunter Renfro only had three. So even with Carr trying to involve some of the outside receivers, you know, leave it to Brian Edwards being out with COVID and then immediately Carr starts feeding his wide receivers in this one. Uh, you know, but with that in mind, just couldn't get anything going. So at this point, Dwayne, you know, Moreau, if Waller stays out, He'll be in, up, in that upside tight end two conversation. Maybe even flirts with tight end 12. Uh, probably not. And with Carr, no, we're staying <laughs> the hell away. Not. And with Renfro... <laughs> With Renfro, you know, it was cute having him in the wide receiver two conversation for a while. Maybe he will still be towards that borderline. The problem was is that you had to say something about it, Ian. You know, and, so, <laughs> and like then I had to go change him in my damn ranks. And now see, uh, I'm going to have to move him again in the utilization. So this week with Renfro, the thing I want to note is the routes, they dip back down. Like he's been up in the 90% range. He was down to 77% today. So they weren't, you know, making that effort to basically – basically designed the offense to to go into, you know, really personnel looks where they can keep Renfro on the field. We've seen that. Like, we've seen them use two running backs, you know, uh, come out like in that old pro set, you know, mm -hmm. where you come out with two running backs, but then you have a slot receiver out there. Like, they've been using that lately. They kind of got away from a lot of that today. It still wasn't bad. I mean, 77% of the routes, but only 58% of the snaps. I mean, again, this is the Raiders getting into a game where they can lead. And so they didn't have to use 11 personnel all game. And so this is really the the sneaky kind of like underbelly issue with Renfro is if you get into these kind of game scripts, which the Raiders haven't seen, it can be problematic. Um, and that and that that's what got him. But he did come through with the receiving touchdown. So that helped you. And it was a great catch back corner of the end zone. But yes, Derek Carr, just 25 pass attempts because most of the offense going through Mr. Josh Jacobs, 27 carries, 129 yards on the ground. He did lose a fumble and it was a terrible lost fumble. Like he was literally just Carr, like was getting pressured. He flipped the ball out. Jacobs secured possession, was not touched by anyone and just dropped the ball. It was the exact same thing Deontay Johnson actually did. And we'll get to that game next. But Dwayne, how good was the utilization uh, behind the scenes? Because we did see Jacob continue to lead the way in targets. I'll be it Peyton Barber and Jalen Richard were involved to some extent. Yeah, seventy percent of the snaps, you know, to Jacob. So anytime you get to the seventy percent of the snaps, like you're 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 a near every down, you know, you're in a near every down role. Um, the two minute offense went back to Jalen Richard at eighty nine percent, but there weren't. I have to look. That could be like just three or four snaps. The Raiders didn't use it very much today. My guess is that was at the end of the first half. Whenever the Raiders may have tried to use that, um, but sixty percent of the long down and distance went to Jacobs, which was better than forty percent for Jalen Richard. So it's almost kind of back to that Leonard Fournette thing we were seeing for several weeks where one week he wouldn't be involved in the two-minute offense, but he'd get the long down and distance. The next week, oh, it was like, oh, we might see Geo doing one thing, but then he'd get the two-minute offense. So Jacobs is 
seems like he's kind of getting that treatment over the last few weeks. It's like they're going to basically keep him in a role where he's going to have a shot at 20, 25 touches every game. So I think you can feel safe from that you know, aspect. It just sucks that you have Peyton Barber getting out there and, and taking the touchdown because that's what kept Jacobs from really having a, you know, a really nice game for you. You know, he could have had you know, a 20-plus point fantasy football outing for you in a PPR format, but you had Peyton Barber snipe that um, one rushing touchdown. Of course he did. That's what Peyton Barber was put on this plan to do. Annoy fans. I will say Peyton Rangers. Barber looks better than he ever did as a buck. <laughs> he does. Like he, right now. He's definitely not someone that we can just straight up disrespect anymore right. as like an NFL talent. <laughs> yeah. So he, <laughs> he has earned that from us for sure. Final game we're going to go through. Uh, just note that the Cowboys are beating the shit out of Washington. So yeah, if you wake man. up tomorrow and are listening to this uh, and somehow the Cowboys didn't continue keeping on, keeping on, I would be surprised. Anyway, Chiefs. Beat the piss out of the Steelers, 36 to 10, covering as a 10 and a half point favorite over cash at 44 and a half. Mahomes looked great, man. 258 yards, three scores, 23 for 30, and didn't even need Tyreek Hill. All this hoopla throughout the week. What's going to happen without Tyreek and Travis Kelsey? Kelsey couldn't play. Tyreek did. Just two targets, caught two of them for 19 yards. So, Dwayne, I understand Tyreek Hill probably like, if we just wanted to look at a wide receiver, like who would, I think, I think Devontae is the best wide receiver in the league, but I think Tyreek might be the most impactful in terms of how defenses have to respect him. So was Tyreek only being used sparingly or was he out yeah. there and we just kind of, okay, so we just kind of saw what can only happen. Only 64% oh, no. of the routes, uh, 9% of the plays Chad Henney played. So that's not enough. You know, it's basically, it's not, I haven't been able to dig deep into it, but it's it's not just the, oh, it was the end of the game and the starters were out. But my guess is it's probably, it, maybe it's something to do with the conditioning, something to do with COVID. Um, so with Hill, 64% you know, of the routes, he was only targeted on 7% of the passing plays. It was really Byron Pringle was like the top option today for Patrick Mahomes. 24% target share for Pringle, 88% of the routes. Next closest was Demarcus Robinson at 64% of the routes. Then you had Mikkel Hardman at 48% and Josh Gordon at 24%. Shout out Josh Gordon, who, you know, I'm not saying he had a good game necessarily, but when I see him now, he doesn't look like an offensive lineman. It seems like he's lost a good he up 10 a pounds. Bit. So, yeah, maybe uh, we'll see the best still to come from everyone's favorite 22-year-old breakout star from about 10 years ago. Uh, yes, Byron Pringle, six catches, 75 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Uh, you know, Mikko Harmon, 31 yards and a touchdown. He almost busted another one, too. Shoestring tackle away from taking to the house. As we all know, though, this is all contingent on Tyreek not having that big of a role and Travis Kelsey being out of the picture. So we didn't really see a tight end emerge in Travis Kelsey's absence. So here's the hoping Kelsey and Hill are just both healthy, good to go, moving on. And we can just continue to basically ignore the rest of these pass game options. Noah Gray, Noah Gray was out there 88% of the routes, which wow. that's encouraging. Like that's really high for a tight end, period. So they like him to some degree. What about Bell? Were they just in a ton of two tight end stuff? Yeah, Bell was only out there for twelve percent of the routes, thirty six percent of the snaps. Yeah, Bell's more of a he's really more of a blocking tight end. Gray is the option as as just a better receiving tight end. I think Kelsey will be back, but with that knowledge, I would say that, you know, Noah Gray could be someone where, all right, you'd probably rather not start him in season long, but at least as a DFS punt, you could imagine. Now, Dwayne, the main event, this running back room, Clyde Edwards Alaire. And remember everyone that said Clyde Edwards-Alaire couldn't ever score on the goal line? He had like one of the best goal line touchdowns play. I've seen this year. My mother-in-law texted me about that play. That's how good it was. She's like, do you see this guy? I was like, I was just going to tell her, don't look at Twitter. 
<laughs> Bounces off two tackles, finds his way into the end zone. One play after Daryl Williams just got absolutely stuffed. So good job for Clyde. Unfortunately, suffered a collarbone injury. I haven't seen anything official. I really hope it's not broken. At a minimum, you know, you would think it's an injury that could keep him sidelined for at least next week, which is our primary concern at the moment. So, Dwayne, what did the usage look like without Clyde? Because at least in terms of touches, without Clyde this year, Daryl Williams has had 24, and we had 7 in a weird 27-3 loss to Titans. After that game, 19, 22, 20, and then 14 uh, touches uh, today. So, was Daryl the lead? Like, And some of this is probably skewed by uh, Derek Gore coming in towards the end. This was a blowout. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't score until late in the fourth quarter. So, from your perspective, and we'll have more on this you know during the week how much was this a daryl williams show and how concerned are you, are you about Derek gore making this more of a committee yeah in the third quarter um so there was only two plays where edwards alero was able to play before he got hurt and then it became all daryl williams it was 11 of the offensive plays two williams seven of those being rushing attempts four of those being plays in the passing game and then in the fourth quarter as this game really got more out of hand and just to kind of give you, um, you know, like some context here, there were 11 plays that the chiefs ran in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and of that six of those uh, went to Chad Henney. So basically probably one drive of it went to Henney, but in the fourth quarter, it really was Derek Gore. He played 10 of those 11 snaps. So I think what we would see in this situation, Ian would probably be Daryl Williams, more around 50, 60% of the rushing attempts with Gore really being the change of pace. But I think it can still be viable because I expect Daryl Williams to be the player in the passing down role. Um, Jarek McKinnon, like, is he, I feel like he's on IR. McKinnon is on IR, yeah. I do believe. And also, so we'll X, X, also x-rays did come back negative on uh, Clyde's collarbone okay. injury. Well, there you so, go. Good. so it yeah. may not, you know, may not matter. But if we do get a week where you don't have Clyde Edwards-Alaire out there, um, I think Derek Gore is very tough to trust. I think it could just have, it may have very well just been a game strip thing. I think Daryl Williams, though, would easily be in the mid-range RB2 conversation at, at, yeah. at a minimum, Ian. I think so. I'm looking up right now who the Chiefs play next week. It is the Bengals. Potential shootout. A lot of pass-friendly opportunities, perhaps. Daryl Williams' RB2 season could, in fact, be wow, that's upon us. Be a great, that could be a great game. Let's go. That's a, More man coverage a for those Bengals receivers. Let's keep, let's, let's, keep, let's keep this game plan going, Bengals. Let's freaking do it. Now, with the Light Steelers... 173 passing yards, 130 rushing yards. Shout out Najee Harris, 19 carries, 93 yards. Also jumped over a man. Best hurdlers in the league, in my humble opinion, Najee Harris and Alexander Madison. We'll throw Josh Allen in there too. That's just subjective. I don't have any stats for it, but you know. It's, we definitely show. know Russell Gage is not in it. Russell Gage like is dead last. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so, sorry, Gage family, if you are paying attention. We, oh, but we, yes. love, we love Russell Gage. We're Russell Gage. We, we were supporting Russell Gage before most pods. Let's put it that I, way. I barely we, even said any bad things about him for busting today. Yeah, it's just only it's only the hurdle move. We told him just to hit the circle button. Come on, spin move. That's all. That's all. But Ben did throw a pick. He did lose a fumble, and he did average just four and a half yards per attempt. Chase Claypool, four catches, 41 yards. But hey, Dwayne, we got to feed Ray Ray McLeod eight targets, which was more than anyone other than Deontay Johnson. So Deontay did get there, six catches, 51 yards, and a late garbage time score that I like to think he did purely for fantasy and no other reason. I mean, yeah, you know. I needed to. We had the targets. It worked out enough. Any big takeaways here, Dwayne? I think it's just same old, same old. Najee and Deontay have the volume. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Najee looks great um, from a volume perspective. Everybody knows, you know, the efficiency issues. The big news here is really Chase Claypool. 90% of the routes again. 
So maybe out of the doghouse. He had been down under 70% for three consecutive games. He was back over that again today. Yes, Ray Ray McLeod was getting the targets, but it was mostly all underneath stuff. Claypool was still working, you know, more downfield. So I think that's wow, a positive. Pittsburgh's starting to use their second best receiver. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were early in the season and now they're back to it. They just don't they don't have anyone to get him the ball. That's the problem. That is the problem. And that is going to end. Dwayne, this is our last game review episode of the 2021 season. I have brought this up at the end of some podcasts before, but basically I want to get you all through week 17. That's when your fantasy championships are. And that's going to be it for Dwayne and I, you know, just not getting drunk until like 10 p.m. on Sunday nights. We have some other things to do throughout the year. As much as we all love talking to you every Sunday night, don't worry. It will not be. St- Someone added me and they said, you know, thanks for the pods. Well, I'll miss you and Dwayne, you know, every week. We're not going anywhere, everyone. It's just not going to be quite the same schedule. So we'll not have any more of these Sunday night pods going to Monday. But believe me, we will continue to keep you chalk filled. Current plan is to continue to go at least three podcasts per week throughout the entire offseason, talking strategy, talking news, talking freaking everything. So I'm sure we'll get some more beat writers on here, hopefully get some NFL players, that and much, much more. And hey, if you've enjoyed the podcast, if you want to support the podcast, this will let you know that for a limited time, you can get 50% off a PFF Elite annual subscription if you use code ELITEUP. All the ranks, locked article content, 0-100 grades, our green line tools, a Christmas gift to you, use promo code ELITEUP for 50% off an entire year of PFF Elite. And also, if you're looking to get into DraftKings, try to use this promo code and you'll get a lot of free money by doing so. Download a DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team and win $200 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply to DraftKings.com. For details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And also continue to invite you guys to submit questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. Any question, if you want to know what Chris is you know, like with Al Michaels behind the scenes, maybe just a fantasy question. I'm not so sure that Chris has a ton of you know useful fantasy knowledge, but you can still ask him. Ask him freaking anything, and you put yourself with the chance to win a catering of up to $2,500 from a restaurant near you for the big game on February 13th, 2022, a.k.a. the freaking Super Bowl. So don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsville Podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. And again, you can submit those at Western Southern southern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember western southern you can rest assured on game day Dwayne, any final thoughts no man no cowboys are kicking ass like they have it all in gear like zeke has two touchdowns um dak has two passing touchdowns and they are knocking on the door again inside the five this is our first podcast we have finished before halftime of the Sunday night game this like, year. Look at us. Should we finish by commenting? Uh, should we do commentary the rest of the way on the half? Just live stream? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, no, no, we shouldn't. We should leave. <laughs> for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 